0: We're going to jump into Philippians 3 today. If you've been with us, we've been going through the book of Philippians. Uh, you're, you lucked out if you haven't been here yet, because we've only made it through two chapters in like four weeks. So it's an easy read to catch up uh, and get up to Philippians 3. Last week, Wednesday night, we had a great first Wednesday. Uh, eye-opening, shocking to say the least, of, of human sex trafficking in this community and what it looks like. And uh, Tanya Folks from the Montgomery County uh, uh, police Department, Sheriff's Department was here and shared with us, and it was honestly eye-opening of some of the darkness that is uh, going on in this community and around the, around the country, and I'm thankful we were able, able to hear that. Uh, next month, uh, ne- the first Wednesday, a lot of you know that I've been with UD as their football chaplain for six years, and uh, we're going to have head coach Rick Chamberlain and, and one of the assistants Uh, Join us next month for our first Wednesday, and the thing I love about the coaching staff the most is not that they love football, they love Jesus, and it starts from the head coach down and just a great guy, and I encourage you to come be a part of that uh, next month. One other note I want to mention before I jump right into Philippians 3 is we're going to have a a few opportunities in the next couple months uh, to gather as one body in one service. Um, You know now we have one at 9 and then one at 1030, and Thanksgiving weekend will be an opportunity to do that. Uh, 10 o'clock, we'll, be, uh, we'll have more donuts than you've ever had in your life out in the atrium, and coffee, and we encourage our church body to come and hang out for a half hour and get to know each other, and then at 10.30, we'll have one combined service on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving weekend, so I wanted to make you aware, aware of that. Hey, let's just jump right in. Paul's been encouraging the church, challenging the church, uh, trying to keep the church to understand, man, be one, do whatever you can to stay and be one. And know that God is, is leading you. So let's just jump in and read chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through, let's see where we want to stop at. Verse at 1 through 11, and then we will we'll make sense of it today. It says, Further, my brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Uh, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, Paul says, in regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. And as for, for, for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and, per- and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. How does Paul start this text in, in, in chapter 3? He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice and joy seem to be a theme all throughout uh, the book of Philippians. Some call it the book of joy. But Paul gives them instruction to rejoice. To, to be full of joy. Because that alone will help keep you centered uh, on, on Christ alone. Is what Paul's trying to get to. And he understands that joy, for many of them and for many of us, we know what circumstantial joy is, don't we? But true joy, biblical joy, Paul's letting them know, is rooted in Christ alone. What's circumstantial joy? Well, things are going good. You're full of joy, aren't you? You know, things are, you, somebody gives you a compliment, that'll put a smile on your face, and, and you will rejoice because of that. You go to work this week and you get to your first meeting and people begin to, to build you up and share some good things, you you're full of joy. But the problem with circumstantial joy is it's fleeting, isn't it? Because afternoon comes, and then all of a sudden you get a phone call, and then you get a whole bunch of work that piles up, and then you have two negative conversations, and that joy that you once experienced in the morning, that circumstantial joy, because people were kind of building you up, all of a sudden it's gone. And Paul says, Man, keep your joy, rejoice in, keep it rooted in Christ alone. Because only then will you experience this life giving, this life giving joy. So Paul tells the Philippian church, Hey, hey, brothers and sisters, rejoice in, rejoice in the Lord. And he said it a few times because in that second part of that verse, he says, I know I've said this before, but just so you get it. Anybody have to hear something like 10 times and it's like, Light bulbs go off and you finally realize, I'm that guy. So I I relate to this of what Paul's saying. So he starts out pretty good. Hey, rejoice in the Lord. And then it takes a huge turn. And he starts to warn them against some of the stuff that's going on around them. And what does he say? He says this. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And who Paul is talking about, he has some very specific people in mind that he's, he's talking about to the Philippian church, known as the Judaizers. Some of you know a little bit about the Judaizers. They were a, a sect of, of the Jewish community during that time. They didn't, they didn't dominate. They, weren't, they didn't represent the whole Jewish community. And they believed a, a little bit in Jesus. They didn't mind the gospel. They didn't mind, they didn't mind Jesus. But they, they would always add stuff onto it. So when Paul would go into a church or go into a town and begin to preach the gospel, let them know about Jesus, the saving work of Christ on the cross, the Judaizers would come in behind him and say, hey, that's what Paul just preached to you. It's good, uh, the, the gospel, the whole Jesus thing. But let, let us fill you in on the rest of the story. There's some things that need to be done uh, in order for you to, like, be, to be all in. There's some behaviors. There's some practices. Uh, You need to be circumcised. You need to be one of us. And then you will be in the full fold of of, of Christianity, of following Jesus. This irritated irritated Paul to no end. And as the Judaizers would come in, and and, and what they were essentially doing during this time is they were adding to the gospel. So it's not just Christ alone. It's not just Jesus. uh, But it's but it's, it's a few of these practices that need, a few of these rituals, a few of these traditions that need to be observed, uh, a few of these things of the law that you need to understand and, and take heart of, because only then will you understand what it means to be a, a Christ follower or a man or a woman of God. Now, when it comes to defending the gospel, and you read through scripture, there's not, there's not one man that probably... Uh, gets more amped up uh, when people add to Jesus plus all these things than Paul. Paul would come a little bit unhinged. Uh, he was a guy that would speak his mind. Why? Because he was one of those guys. He followed the law to, to, to as close as it could possibly be, so he had no filter when it came to any one group of people saying, hey, it's Jesus plus just a few more of these things, and then you're in. He did it to the Galatian church as well. Listen to what he said in Galatians 1, 8 through 9. He was even a little more forceful in Galatians. He says, but even if we, or an angel from heaven, uh, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Hey, if somebody brings the gospel along, they begin to share about Jesus plus, let them be under God's curse. That's pretty harsh. Verse 9, as we have already said, so now I say again. If anybody, Paul again, he says it for the second time, let this get into your skull, he's trying to say. If anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Paul says it's not Jesus plus, and he doesn't leave any room for debate for the the church in Galatia or for the church in Philippi. And he says it's Jesus alone. That the only way you will be righteous is, The only way you will be in right standing with God is not because anything you're going to be able to do, but it's all because of what He has already done for you. Paul is fired up. He didn't want this church to to get caught up in what the the Judaizers were talking about. And Paul in Philippians, he takes it a little bit, he takes uh, this topic, this idea, he goes a little bit different direction than what he did in Galatians. So what's he do in the next section of this passage? The next section of this passage, he begins to have a credential showdown with the Judaizers, doesn't he? And with the people that thought they were following the law so closely. I mean, if you thought they were righteous, let me give you a little bit of my background, of where I'm from, of what I know, of the family that I was born in. And here's what he says in Philippians 3, 4 through 6. He said, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence... If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I mean, I have way more. Let let me tell you, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee. Uh, In in the Old Testament, to be observant of the Torah, it was very common and and known to be obedient to the Torah for a, a young boy to be circumcised on the eighth day. So Paul's letting this church uh, in Philippians know, hey, I was Torah observant when I was eight days old. Like, I've been following this law, like, from the day I was born, I've been Torah observant. If anyone is righteous because of following the law, Paul says, it's me. And then he goes on and he says, I wasn't just born in, I wasn't just converted in, uh, I was one, and he says, I am from the tribe of Benjamin, The tribe of Benjamin wasn't a big tribe, but it was a significant tribe. He he says that, hey, my my parents were both uh, Jewish. Uh, I have a heritage that I can point all the way back to. Go down the line and find myself at Abraham. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. If anybody would be righteous because of their affiliation of who they were with, Paul says it's it's, going to be me. And then he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I talked Hebrew. I acted Hebrew. I did everything like a Hebrew. It's like a a man saying, I'm a man's man. You know, you ever heard that term? No, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Whatever your favorite team is, mine is not the Buckeyes. I'll say it before I say this next statement. It's not the Buckeyes. It's not the Buckeyes. It's not the Buckeyes. But there are Buckeye fans, right? And then there there are Buckeye fans. There are fans that are like, Get away from me when the game is on. I can't have human interaction. I am locked into this. Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Yeah, I'm not just one that says, I'm a Hebrew. No, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And they knew what that meant. So he goes on from talking about his qualifications from heredity, from family. And then he says, well, here's some more qualifications because of my intellect and because of the way I've been trained and the way that I've been schooled. And he says, in regard to the law... A Pharisee. I was a part of the most prestigious group. This group knew the law backwards and forwards. They they followed every single law to a T. They didn't miss one. They were observant of every single one. They were passionate about every single detail. I was a Pharisee. I, 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 was, I was trained. I was skilled. It's crazy for Paul to even to, that he was that guy going from from following the Torah and following the law to the last detail to a guy that says, no, 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 no. All that stuff, it's garbage. It's rubbish. It's only by faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. What a transformation in his life. Incredible transformation. Uh, As for zeal, he he tells the Philippian church, it doesn't get any better than me. Uh, I used to persecute the church. Oh, yeah, there were Pharisees. There were guys that would get up and teach. There were guys that would let people know and kind of be the, the police officers of, of what it means to follow the law and kind of watching everybody's lifestyles. That's all fine and dandy, but I was, I was persecuting the church. I was dragging people out of their homes. I was convicting people to death. I was persecuting Christians. I wanted the church to be non-existent. As for zeal, nobody. There, there were some Pharisees, that's for sure. But none of them went to the links that I did. None of the Judaizers went to the links uh, that I did. As for righteousness, he says, based on the law, I was faultless. Now, he's not saying here I was, I was sinless. I was faultless before a holy God. But he's saying when it comes to observing every little detail of the law, absolutely faultless. I ate the right things. I ate at the right time. I didn't eat things when I was told not to eat things. I dressed the right way. I wore the right things in the right places. I, I showed up and, and prayed at the right times. I did everything right. So if anybody has a way of being righteousness, right, of experiencing righteousness because of that, I'm faultless. Paul says, it's me. If anybody should have confidence, it's me. Paul's saying on the outside, I looked like, and I was, that I had it all together everybody would look at me and say, that is an absolute man of God. And then what does Paul say next? Some of the most powerful passages in Philippians, in Philippians 3, 7 through 9. His life has been transformed. Uh, He was done putting on the show. He was done following the law to the T. And he said, you know what? Whatever were gains to me, You know, all that stuff I just talked about, how great I was because of where I came from and the stuff I learned, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain trust. I consider them, some of your uh, translations may say, rubbish Some of yours, the actual better translation is, I consider them dung. I don't need to explain that. That's what he considers those things that he, he thought were making him righteous before a holy God. If anybody measures up because of things they do, Paul says, it's me. And then he says, Philippian church, let me tell you, I was that man. I did it all right. And it's not enough. Because faith alone is only found in Jesus Christ alone. I could never do it in my own flesh. I could never do it with my own power. It is only through Christ alone. He says, I'd trade it all. All those years I spent learning, all those years I spent persecuting the church, all those years thinking I was the man, I'd trade it all in for Christ Jesus. What a powerful testimony is Paul sharing truly his testimony during this time. And Paul, I think of this passage today, and I think, what, what is the point for us to learn, right? Is Paul just trying to make a point that the Judaizers are not all who they say they are? Is he just trying to get the Philippian church to say, hey, look at my background. I mean, I, I had some things going. Or is it much bigger than that? And I think one of the things that Paul is trying to get them to understand and to get them to ask this question, is living for Jesus Christ enough? Is Christ alone enough? Or is it Christ alone plus fill in the blank on on whatever those things may be? Because we do it all the time still today. It's more in a subtle way. Uh, It's maybe not being a big glaring or maybe even observant by someone else. But sometimes with our mindsets, with the way that we act, with the way that we carry out our Christian journey, it's Jesus plus. So we make some assurances in our life that it's Jesus plus Jesus. Do you see what I'm doing? I mean, I have to be good and favorable in your eyes. And we'll just create some things. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Jesus plus perfect church attendance. And then Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get in probably because of that. It's Jesus plus hang around the right circle of people. It's Jesus plus dress the right way, look the right way, uh, be the right way, right? It's Jesus plus works and behaviors in patterns of life, and it's, it's religion and it stinks. And Paul says it's rubbish. Paul says it's garbage. And some of you grew up in a church like this. There's a lot of people not in church today because they grew up in a church that it was Jesus plus. There's about ten more little things you need to check off the box before Jesus will accept you for who you are and how you are. I'm not talking about today, come to Jesus and then just go live life in rebellion and you're in. I'm talking about it's people and in, in, in leaders and we in Christian mindsets that say, man, I've got to do all these things to be, to be accepted. It probably even starts in our middle school days, in our younger days. When we go to school, I've got to have the right shoes, the right clothes, be in the right circle, be in the right team. I'm not going to do these things. I am going to do these things. And hopefully at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the people around me will accept me and will, and will love me. And we carry this same spiritual attitude at times right into our walk with Christ. And I'm here to tell you, I'm probably a recovering uh, person from this, that I would say it's Jesus plus. And I'd be looking at spiritual disciplines, and that would be the measuring tool of whether I'm in right standing with God or not. And the only way that I'm in right standing with God is not because of anything I can do, but because of Jesus Christ alone. So personally, I would... I would say, God, I, I've done a few things. Is that, is that good enough? God, I've, I, I've served a few people. I gave. I, I shared your word. you got to be proud of me, right? And it's like Jesus plus uh, all these things that we add on to it. We can do the same things corporately as local churches. And Paul was trying to fight the church that don't go down this road. You know why churches fight over the, the color of the, of the carpet? and they fight fight over the the styles of worship because it's Jesus plus those things. It's Jesus plus, and these these religious practices, these religious traditions, religious tools, and that's all everything up here on this stage is, and really everything in this room is a tool to point people towards Jesus, is we fall in love with them and that, and we say it's Jesus plus that, and when those things are taken away from me, it it messes up my my whole world, and it makes me a little bit shaky, right? Because it's Jesus plus those things. I need it this style. I need it to look this way. I need it to feel this way. And we have all of these norms that you go back to the very first church that man, man has added to the local church, and we've called them biblical, and we've called them normal. And in our own subtle way, it's not like the Pharisees where it's this huge outward observant thing that we see, and we're like, there it is. It's a little more subtle. And we do Jesus plus fill in the blank. And Paul's saying, man, church, when we go down this path, we completely, completely miss it. And he wanted the Philippian church to know, you know what the only thing that's timeless is? It's not any one of those religious deals that we just talked about. It's Jesus Christ alone. So keep your eyes fixed on that which is timeless, not that which is temporal. Do you see how easy it is for us as Christians, maybe even living in America with all that we have, to to create all these new things, and it be Jesus plus this. What if everything that we know about church was stripped away, and it was just us and Jesus? It would wreck us. It'd go every against everything we know. And Paul's saying, Man, keep your eyes fixed on, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author, he is the perfecter of your faith. And when you get into this whole performance game, you'll never win because you'll never perform well enough. When you get into the whole behavior thing, you'll never do uh, the right enough, you know, the right amount of behaviors to get right with God. But it's only going to be found through Christ, through Christ alone. And he reminds the church, as he reminds us today, and he shared it in his own story, that someday it's not going to matter how smart you are, uh, it's your church attendance, it's not going to matter how good looking or you are and, and how much scripture you can begin to spew out of your mouth. The only affiliation, the only thing that's going to matter the day that you meet the judge is were you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? And Paul says, let's get this right. He goes on in Philippians 3.10, and we'll wrap this up. I want to know Christ. Yes, know the power of His resurrection and participate in His sufferings. Becoming like Him to His death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He said, everything else that I thought was so important, it's garbage, it's rubbish, it's dung. I want to know Christ. And the huge question for us today and for the Philippian church, is that your deepest, longing in your life, the most important thing in your life is you would say, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I want to to experience Him every single day. I want to walk with Him every single day. We love Philippians 3.10, the first part of that. But then Paul says the second part, I want to participate in His sufferings. I don't like that part, right? I mean, the first part's all right. I'll get to know you, but the whole participate in your sufferings, that's, it, that's a game changer. For many of you in here today, when we read that, we kind of hesitate. But if you had a friend that was suffering, you'd be the first one to jump in. If you had a spouse or a child that was in the worst of the worst of circumstances, you would give your life for them in that moment. But then he says in this passage, hey, when I, I want to fel- fellowship, I want to participate in the sufferings. Of Christ Jesus, we begin to push back. I'm not sure I want to do that. What's Paul talking about there? Paul says, I've already experienced suffering to the greatest degree because of my walk with Christ Jesus. And he's saying, he's not saying, well, I don't ever want to do that again. He's saying, I would suffer for Jesus over and over and over and over again. I would suffer if the gospel got out to the world. Because for me to live as Christ, right, to die, Is gain. Church, the invitation is so clear. It's not come to Jesus and and everything is going to be smooth and great and easy. It's come to Jesus and, and you will experience suffering. You will experience trials. You will experience setbacks. That nothing could be further from the truth, that you're going to come to Christ and everything is going to be easy. But here's what Paul points to in this passage in the midst of some of the greatest trials, in the midst of some of the greatest hardship, that you can have joy. Why? Because joy is rooted in Christ alone. You could be in the worst of the worst of circumstances and yet be filled with joy because this deep-seated inward joy doesn't come from that circumstance. doesn't come from that trial. It comes from Christ Jesus alone. There's an old chorus, uh, a song that, that sings this way, that when it's all been said and done did I do my best to live for Christ did I live my life for him Paul would answer that question with a resounding a resounding yes he knew when Jesus said I'm the way and the truth and the life that it wasn't I'm the way and the truth and the life plus a few more of these things no he is the way the truth and the life and Paul lived his life in such a way in such a way that it was Christ alone. That it was Jesus plus nothing equals new life. So, for you, when it's all been said and done, and you meet your Savior face to face, will you be able to say unequivocally, I lived my life, I lived my life for you? I want to know Christ. Let me pray. God, thank you for Philippians 3. It's tough because it goes against everything inside of us. Because we like temporal things on this earth. We like what they do for us. We like how they enhance things. How they make things better. And it's so easy for us to make them many idols or many gods in our life. And, and, And in a way, begin to make them a part of our religious norms like Like they're just, we need them to to be in, in union with Christ. God, lead us in such a way and lead us to a place, lead our hearts to a place where it's Christ alone. I can only imagine the light that we would be to this community when we're a church that's about Christ alone. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you, and that we could be all that we can be. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.